welcome to another episode of the Pixelated Sausage Show. Hi, 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 hi. I am, of course, your host, Marcuzhez. And uh, yeah, I'm not going to get into it. There have been family things going on in my life that make recording this very difficult. Those in the know, those in the Discord, they are well aware of what's going on. And uh, I'll leave it at that and just try to have a an alright show. Don't have much to talk about in terms of what I've been watching. Still powering through Deep Space Nine. I am through almost, no, I think I just passed half of season six. So I am getting really close to finishing up the series. I've got the rest of season six, of course, and season seven. I'm still liking it quite a bit, even, but the change from when it was just them on the the space station, Deep Space Nine, interacting with other species and aliens and trying to be this middle ground or what have you for the... They're not the Durango. The... For, not the Ferengi. My God. The... Whatever. The, 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 the brow people and, uh, the, the Draco. I don't know. I don't know, man. But after the Dominion overtook, uh, took over the, the space station for a bit, for about six episodes to open the, the sixth season, eh, I, I haven't really enjoyed this show as much I think the idea behind everything of them losing the space station having to get it back splitting off the group having people work undercover and all of that is good but the execution leaves a little bit to be desired it also hurts that I think the way they handled Ducat's character is really unfortunate he was one of my favorite characters and i liked how they were handling him how he became more of this great character and you weren't quite sure about him but they've just gone full on nope never mind full evil crazy evil insane evil lost his mind evil in the last episode he goes right off the deep end and it ends with cisco saying something along the lines of you know i I've always wanted to believe that the world was very gray, but that, that dude, God, he's as evil as they come. Oh my God. He's, he's eviler than evil. And I'm like, fucking man, what a waste of a character and a character arc. And there are a lot of unfortunate things with characters in general later in the season or later in the series. I think Dax, Dax, Dax. I think she becomes a pretty garbage character after she starts romancing Worf. I've come to realize I really don't like Worf. He's just a shitty attempt to create another... uh, I was going to say Nimoy, but that's not his character's name. Another Spock. Only 
Uh, instead of being very analytical and, and all that, he's more emotional. You know, uh, that's the kind of emotion that the, the Klingons are about. But he's just a boring character. He's dull. I'm not a fan of him. And he gets on my nerves. And the romance just does not work at any point. The, the romance between Worf and Dax. I did spoil myself and find out that she dies, that the host body dies at some point. So I'm looking forward to that. Get rid of her. Maybe Worf will be better then. His son arriving is... I don't know how, I don't know how to handle that. Just yet. And the stuff with Odo and the changeling race. Eh, eh, I'm, I'm ready to be done with the show, basically. And it's it's funny the 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 wharf Dax stuff and other relationships of that ilk. As good as Deep Space Nine has been overall, the one thing that they have often still failed at because it just seems like Star Trek writers have never been in any kind of relationship or know anything really about love and all that because. The romance aspect of every Star Trek thing I've ever seen is okay at best at times, but there, there's never been a great romance. The Wharf Dax stuff sucks. It's horrible. I would have liked to see, to have seen them flesh out the stuff with Cassidy. Is that her name? I can't even remember her name all that well because she's not a significant part of the show, and I thought she was going to be a bigger part of the show. Also, Jake. Jake, old Jake sucks. Jake, once he really focuses on writing, and especially this investigative reporter phase of his, he's awful. He's an awful, awful character. And it's funny because in the early seasons, I really hated Nam, Nog, Nog. Nog is his name, right? The, the, the little Ferengi. And he's become a great character. And his arc, his growth, fantastic. But yeah, it's it's pretty much just been Deep Space Nine with absolutely nothing in between. Uh, I haven't even been watching all that much Twitch. Taking a break from that, I think I'm going to take a break from YouTube as well and just focus on audio versions of podcasts because I don't want to pay for premium anymore or Twitch Prime. And I'm kind of sick of watching people play Apex and hearing them complain. And I guess there's some drama going on but uh enough of that let's get on to what i've been playing because i don't want to i don't want to be here that long i don't want to be doing this at all ah, ship of fools ship of fools is an overcooked like where you are captaining a pirate ship of sorts in more of a rogue like structure the way it plays out you have like a, a little home world where you can upgrade your ship and do a little bit of this and that before heading out on your voyage and then the way the voyage works is you start off at the beginning and then you're you're moving across this hexagonal space tile by tile you'll be able to see from the tile what kind of reward you'll be able to get or what kind of adversary you should expect and it feels very descenders like if you've played that mountain biking game 
in terms of the way you go about these levels, uh, going from tile to tile until you reach the end, or in this case, it would be a boss battle in the seas instead of a boss ramp. But what you're doing in these individual levels that are fairly short, they probably last five minutes on average, maybe one if it's really long could be 10 minutes, but I don't think a level could be more than that. I haven't experienced a level that's more than that. At least none of them that felt longer than that. And what you're doing during these levels, because you are, you are a captain of one, a crew of one. You can play cooperatively, and it's definitely going to be easier and more manageable if you do that. But it, it's not terrible playing solo. But you have your two sides of the ship, and enemies will be attacking on either side. You'll have big enemies who take a lot of attacks, and smaller enemies, they will be trying to destroy your ship, and that's your health points, essentially, which you can repair with planks if you have planks. If you don't, you're just going to have to let it linger, but you may see a tile during your voyage that will reward you with planks. You'll be able to repair your ship that way. But you have to start off, I think on both sides, two spaces that you can put turrets up on. And not turrets, but cannons. And you'll get cannons that can fire on their own, cannons that you have to fire. The cannons will shoot any kind of ammunition. You have to start off with a pretty basic shell dispenser, which gives you unlimited shells. But you'll be able to take stuff like dynamite and shoot dynamite. Uh, and whatnot. You have to load the cannon, of course, every single time when you, you run out of ammo. And it's pretty simple, straightforward stuff. And that is somewhat to its detriment because it was a little bit boring. One of the problems with the game is that difficulty-wise, it doesn't have a nice ramp up. It's very, very easy to begin with. The early levels are incredibly easy. And because of it, they're boring. And then when you hit a certain point, suddenly it gets incredibly overwhelming and you'll be fighting dozens of enemies at the same time, trying to do it all on your own if you're playing by yourself, which is what I was doing. I wanted to hold off and wait until I was looking forward to playing this with my dad. Uh, yeah, couldn't do that. When I'll be able to do that again. I don't know. Ooh, spoilers. Uh, but yeah, it, it got pretty overwhelming quickly. And then when I got to the mid-boss fight a few times... That just seemed like it was going to be, if any level, I, I never beat the mid-boss, which was just a giant squid, presumably, with its tentacle monster nonsense. But that seemed like if I were to beat it, if I were to win, it would take over 10 minutes, that level. The problem with that fight, though, was that there were moments when you'd see that it was about to attack my ship with its tentacles. It was winding up. And I would shoot the shit out of that tentacle 
that was preparing to attack. I would shoot it and shoot it and shoot it and focus all my strength and attack on that, thinking that I could cancel the animation, which is how a lot of other instances of a similar sort play out, where an enemy is showing signs of attacking, but if you can hit it before then, you can cancel that. Wasn't doing a damn thing with this mid-boss, so it, it got to a point where I just, I couldn't, I could not stop it from destroying my ship before I killed it, because I was, I would say that its health bar went down maybe a third, I don't even think it went down a third after hitting it a hundred times. So it was quite the sturdy squid. It looks great though. I'll give it that. And I think if you are playing with a friend or two, I'm not I'm not sure what the co-op goes up to. But I think it would be a, a pretty fun, simple, straightforward roguelite. And it's roguelite in that you can, like I said, you can upgrade your ship to give it more health points, more slots for cannons, more starting harpoons. Because you use harpoons in the levels to collect loot that drops if you kill an enemy and then they drop some planks in the water. You can't jump in there and swim. You won't auto-collect it. You have to use one of your cannons to fire a harpoon at it to reel it in. You're basically going fishing for the loot that falls. And then there's also... You can, you can attack uh, enemies melee-wise if they uh, arrive on the ship because there are a lot of enemies who will spit little baby enemies on the ship to try and attack it and stuff of that nature. But when you are going about these levels and whatnot, you're not actually... The one thing you're not doing in case that wasn't already clear, you are in no way in control of the ship. You just set a path forward, uh, you know, in this hexagonal space. And when you're in a level, you're just going straight from left to right. Uh, it's static movement roughly in the middle of the screen. Sometimes it might be a little bit further down the bottom or further at the top, depending on where the camera moves uh, as, as enemies come in and stuff like that. But you are in no way in control of the ship, how fast it goes, turning, avoiding obstacles or anything like that. Your focus is just the enemies attacking from either the top or the bottom. If they're attacking from the side, which they rarely do, and I, I think it's because even if you have, because the first slot I opened, additional slot, was on the back. I don't, I don't know if I could have aimed to the side. But it's, it's okay. It's okay, it's just not all that exciting. What it made me want to do is play Sea of Thieves, and I'm not going to end up playing Sea of Thieves, so... There it is. Ship of Fools. Check it out. It's not bad. Nice nice looking game. It's it's just a little bit of a, a, a dull game. But, uh, you know, not not too... I'll also say that I, I, I like that it's not too overflowing with systems and things you have to be concerned about like Say, for instance, Godlike Burger, which I played recently as well, last week, in fact. 
Next up, we have Bravery and Greed, which is another rogue-like. I'd say I, I don't think there were any stats or stuff like that that carried over or that you can improve between runs. But this is a 2D side-scrolling action platformer, rogue-like, where you play as one of four classes. And what you're trying to do is collect the four orbs, gems, stones, etc. to open this door to, I think it must have been the dwarf kingdom or something because you're just looking to get all the riches that are hidden behind this door and you need to collect these four runes or whatever they are in order to do so and they're the the reward for beating the boss of each area it's I really like the pixel art overall but there is a weird thing going on visually where it seems like it may have a shimmering effect going on or something that was mildly distracting while playing it. But overall, I think the art is really, really good. Great pixel art. And I kind of like it conceptually. The problem is, for me, I found the controls in a few instances to be less than desirable and a little bit too loose in different cases or, or awkward in, in others. It was also pretty easy to, to begin with. I got through the first area, beat the first boss, my first run, no problem. Got to the second, uh, got through the second area, got to the second boss and Got a little distracted and, and died, but I didn't have much of a problem in the second area either during my first run when I was still getting a handle for how everything works and whatnot. But my problem with the game is that one, your jump is very, there's not a lot of weight to it. So when you, you jump high and then you just kind of fall down pretty quickly and there's something about it that just feels a little bit too quick, a little too fast in the entire process of it, where I feel like you should be in the air a bit longer. You also can barely at all, if even at all, adjust yourself in the middle of a jump. So once you jump, you're pretty committed which can make hitting certain platforms annoying. I got into one situation where I almost died because I kept missing a platform because I, I couldn't I couldn't adjust myself post-jump. I don't really like that. I wish I could adjust myself a bit more. The main combat basically involves attacking melee-wise, and then dodge rolling out of the way when an enemy is going to attack you. But you can't cancel out of an animation to dodge, so you have to wait until you finish an attack animation. And sometimes, or a lot of the times, it feels like there's even somewhat of a delay 
a second or a fraction of a second, but it's uh, something that is noticeable where you are attacking and you see that an enemy is attacking, you want to dodge away, and it just feels like there, there's this moment where you are vulnerable because you have to wait for the attack to finish and then a brief pause for the game to recognize that you wanted to dodge away and then you'll dodge away. There are four classes that you can play as. Um, a mage, a rogue, a paladin type character, and then a general warrior. They all feel roughly the same. When going on your travels, you will collect loot, you'll collect food that you can eat on the spot to heal yourself. You'll come across many shrines that you can interact with if you want. In some cases, it could be a bit of a risk-reward thing. You don't know if it'll be good or positive. You can come across boiling pots full of liquid that you can slurp up if you want. And who knows how that'll turn out. It's always been good for me. It's always healed me. I've been lucky in that case. But the game itself seems like since you are only going through these four levels to, to open the door, and I'm sure there'll probably be one final boss fight when you get through, it doesn't seem like it's all that long, and it's not... The, the runs, because I did a few runs, I, I wanted to try out every character to see how different they felt in the end. Like I said, they don't... Though the class that feels the most different is the mage, because the mage, every... Every class has somewhat of a ranged attack, ignoring the wand that y'all get uh, during your runs. And they're pretty much the same. Like the, the, the rogue has a bow and arrow. The warrior can do a little shield bash. And then the paladin has a type of chakra boomerang device uh, weapon. But the mage... They can summon a big, burly, ghostly figure, which you then control, which seems cool. However, that there are, there are class-specific tutorials you can do in the bar. I should have probably done the mage-specific tutorial because controlling that, when I just randomly did it during my run, not knowing what that it was going to happen or anything, uh, that it was weird because you're you're still in the world. Your character is still vulnerable to being attacked while this is going on. If you are attacked, it doesn't make your summon disappear or anything. They're just still off doing their thing. They bounce around. That's their main form of movement. It's it's weird, but it's different, and I can appreciate that. It at least makes that class feel very unique. But. The actual gameplay wasn't doing a whole hell of a lot for me. The levels weren't super exciting. You're, you're just going uh, mostly from left to right. And they'll occasionally be branching paths. You'll come across teleporters that allow you to go back and explore another path, which may have some additional loot. But you go from room to room through doorways which will lock up when you enter and then a wave or two or maybe three of enemies will come in and you'll have to attack them 
it has one of the most annoying things and it's really good at it. The enemy AI is pretty fucking good at dodging out of the way of your attacks. And I've talked about this, or I talked about this on the second runs episode of Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance. I really, really hate ranged enemies who, when you get up on them, instead of pulling out a weapon, a melee weapon to attack you head on, they run away. And holy shit, ranged enemies in bravery and greed, they love running away and they are really good at running away. There, there were too many instances where I'd kill all the, the close-up enemies and then I'd just be going back and forth trying to attack a ranged enemy and I do have my ranged attacks, but I don't think the majority of ranged attacks feel all that good. They don't do a significant amount of damage and you'd still be taking a lot of time to do this. If the enemy hits you with a ranged attack before you fire off yours, it'll cancel it. And it's just like, they're, they're awful, they're awful, but it's, it's all right, but a bit disappointing. Then we have Saint Kotar, which is a 3D adventure game. Very, very story driven, a lot of dialogue, a lot of talking. And it's it's bad. It's the story might be interesting. It might be well written, but it is not well acted. It is really hard to sit through the performances in this game. They are very, very, very bad. It starts off with you as a chubby little boy who has been locked into the basement by your father because you don't respect their religion or whatever. And the same is true of your sister. And there's spooky things going on. And then I think your sister disappears. And I, I had to check out of the story pretty quickly because I just could not... I could not take the performances. I thought it was very, very bad. It's not a pretty looking game. A lot of overblown texture work. Fidelity wise, it doesn't... It's, it's, adventure games, they should at least be visually striking because they don't have that much going on for them outside of puzzles, story, and visuals. So right, right there, the story, again, could be good, but performed poorly. Visuals, not up to snuff, and then we're left with the puzzles. So how is that? Does that make up for everything else? No, it doesn't. Uh, the game, on console at least, controlling with a gamepad, is incredibly clumsy and tedious and involves steps that don't need to be there. Because the way it works is that you have direct control over your character, move around the space, but in order to interact with objects, you can't just walk up to something that's interactable and then press a button to interact with it. You have to use the, the D-pad to navigate between all the interactable objects in a space. And you can also hold the left trigger, I believe, to show on screen everything that is interactable. You don't you don't need to since you can just scroll through them as well with the, the D-pad. 
and then you just press the A button to interact with the objects. There's no on-screen cursor or anything of that sort. You have your inventory, which you can then use to enter, uh, you know, combine things and stuff like that. It, it's just a really tedious game to control with a story that is delivered poorly in a world that doesn't look all that great. Unfortunate, but that's how it goes. And the puzzles that I did, I'll, I'll be honest, thinking back on my time with it, I didn't really do any kind of puzzles. I had uh, the the most complicated puzzle I did was because there's a lot of talking. It is very it is very very story heavy, which is part of the problem with the the fact that the performances are so bad. The most complicated puzzle I did was take a a rod out of my closet for hanging stuff, and I used that to push what seemed like mud out of the way of a door. Then I opened it and it was actually a bunch of bloody fleshy stuff and a crow's head or something. And then, yeah. I went outside. We went downstairs, went outside and some people showed up and I decided to push the old man. And that was that. I said, okay, St. Kotar, I've had enough of you. And soccer story, I've heard many people say, is just golf story, but with soccer. If that's true, I have no interest in never playing golf story because soccer story is incredibly tedious. I don't know how golf story is. There's a quick match mode in the main menu, but I just focus on the story mode for a few hours. And those few hours entailed mostly just busy work where... Uh, it, it takes place in this world where soccer has been forbidden. It's been banned. Nobody plays soccer anymore. It's like footloose, but your your foot can't kick balls anymore. Dance your heart away, no ball kicking. And, and the only people who can play soccer are those employed or whatever by Soccer Inc., this evil corporation who has done all this stuff because there was a soccer match going on years in the past and then the calamity came and it looked like Bane had just destroyed the stadium and, and soccer was gone. But a magic ball shows up through your window, flies through your window, your little boy. And you're going to bring soccer back. You are going to bring soccer back. And from that point on, the majority of what I played was just busy work. Just a bunch of various tasks for this person or that person. I need to get this person to do something for me, but before they'll do something, I have to get this other person to do this other thing that allowed them to do this thing, but they want me to do this thing. And it was just busy work, busy work, busy work, busy work. I ended up playing one match against a team of toddlers during my few hours with the game. And I lost the match the first time. Because my goalie sucked shit. My goalie was fucking awful. They would allow so many goals shot from half field, midfield. Is that what it's called? Is that what the half court is called on a soccer field? But the, the fucking toddlers kept kicking balls 
from practically midfield and my stupid ass Panda goalie kept fucking letting him through. And then I'd go over there and I'd try to hit shots and ricochet them off him. You know, the, the goalie would block the first one. I think, okay, now it's going to be open. They're, they're not going to be able to get it fast enough. But no, they kept getting them. Oh my God. Drive me fucking crazy. But that's not the actual majority of what I played. The majority of what I was doing was, okay, I talked to the, the captain of Soccer Town, not the captain, but the mayor of Soccer Town, whatever, and told him off the ball. I was like, shh, oh, don't you know soccer's not allowed anymore? But I don't know, man. Yeah, I mean, if you can get some, if you can get yourself a soccer team, maybe it'll be okay. Go recruit some people, and we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit later. And I talk to these people. One dude's like, okay, go around the world and find these hidden goals and kick the ball into each of them. Then come back and I'll join your team. Uh, I won't join your team until you've recruited two other ones. So you go do that first. And then you do that. And, uh, okay, well, now you got to run this race. And if you win, I'll join your team. Uh, I, I'm a janitor. Uh, there are all these bins around the world, around this small town that have been tipped over. Kick the ball into them to right-side them up. Then I'll join your team. Hannah, they're sleeping. Okay, first go find a bell and get the bell. Now use the bell to wake them up. Okay, you're you're up now. Now what do I do? Oh, you've got three different tasks for me to do. Okie dokie. All right, let's start a tournament, a four-team tournament. We've got three teams. We need the fourth. We're going to have to get the old home team to join us go there okay these two they'll, they'll they'll play no problem but these other ones one of them wants you to get an energy drink the other one wants you to get you some carrot soup and then this fifth one oh you got to go find a way inside the back of this old person's home to get this special power or this upgrade token so you can increase your power and then you can do the task that they want you to do it's just Busy work, busy work, busy work, busy work. And I grew tired of it very quickly. And what hurts the game the most is that the actual soccer is not that fun. And it's not just because my goalie sucked, but attacking and passing is just... There are no penalties, it seems... You can, it, it seems pretty arcade in that sense in the vein of something like an NBA jam where you can tackle the opposing team members all you want. You're not going to have to worry about it. And they could do the same to you. But it was just a really disappointing experience because I thought it would be a great idea and I was excited to play it it grew more and more tiresome the more I played and the more little tasks I had to do which they don't take a long to complete but they just keep piling them on and I thought to myself well you know when I get to a, a match it'll probably be worth it I'll make up for it because I, I did not you you do the first calamity match or whatever you, you play in that match but you're not really playing the the opposing team isn't attacking and you just stroll on up to the opposing uh, the opposing team's goal and you just fired in 
and it just progresses the story. But it took me over an hour to play my first actual real match in the game and not just do some training missions or other various tasks. And when I finally got to the point where I could play a match, it was a letdown. So I I don't really like the game. I, I just think the way it's been going so far, at least maybe it'll it'll balance better after this uh, the opening few hours but those f opening few hours are important I, I say this a lot but uh, first impression is, is important in, in games and I would never tell anyone to deal with a bunch of shit in order to get to the good and I don't I, I wouldn't do the same and as good as Soccer Story may get, it's taking too fucking long to get there. And I, I don't know what else there could... Like, I, I, I don't think the actual soccer matches are going to get better. Unless I find a bunch of upgrade tokens I can use on my goalie and make them not dog shit. Because that... Man, they suck. Last game I play, though, enough of Soccer Story, is Oakenfold. And this one... Everything else I played on my Xbox Series X. This, however, PC only, to my knowledge. And it is another rogue-like, uh, structurally similar to stuff like Slay the Spire. You have two paths to start off uh, at the beginning, and they'll occasionally branch off, and you'll see what the... the destination each destination is going to provide you whether it's rewards a store uh, and whatnot the gameplay is very into the breachy the problem with the game though i was very excited to play this because i love into the breach one of my favorite games of all time the difference here is you are only playing as one character and the way you differentiate one run over the other is through the class you choose to start with. And there are only three classes to, to pick between. Because of the fact that you are an army of one, you're just the one character, the amount of strategies that exist are incredibly limited. And in general, everything is super limited there aren't the opportunities to create these cascading events these domino effect events where you take one of your units and you attack an enemy to push them in another space which then will put them in the attack line of another enemy or put them on the emerging point of an enemy or, or, or do these things where you can really play out a turn in all these various steps and then also uh, do it in a way where you know the, the enemy's order of actions will lead to them doing these things. You don't get that all those layers because of the fact that you are just this single unit with three actions, uh, three things you can do in addition to moving around the space. 
and I think it's always 12 actions per turn. You can, one of the cool things about it, probably the coolest thing about it though, is that when you are doing your turn, until you do all your moves, you can use a scroll wheel to go back and forth in between all your moves one at a time. But one of the problems is that if you do set up a movement or something that will be your last, use your last action point, it'll automatically end your turn. There is no, are you sure? So you are able to freely go back and forth between all your actions and not commit to anything unless you accidentally do your last action. Then you're just fucked. You can't, you can't be like, wait, 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 wait. I want to, can I go back? Nope. That's the, the one case where you can't do that, which seems a little dumb. But the fact that you are this, this single unit limits so much of the potential, so much of what you can do, of how you can tackle situations. And, and the classes themselves, they aren't super interesting. They don't have the most creative moves as the rogue, you have a flying knee attack, a backstab, and you can throw a grenade or whatever. All right. As the more warrior class, they have like a shield bash, a regular attack, and another throwable type of weapon. But the gameplay is, is pretty... It, it gets old fast because there are you learn very quickly so few options and how you can tackle situations and the enemies are fairly boring and, and just having like the fact that when enemies arise and they'll, they'll rise around the space and you have this single character to do everything with it's just it's not fun I want, I want a squad. I want my own little squad that can interact and play off of each other as opposed to the single character. There, there's something else that I wanted to mention, but I got distracted. I got distracted. The, uh, I, I like it. I, I like the idea. The, the visuals are all right. They're really nice and clean, but they lack personality. And, that, and that's a problem with the game Overall, it doesn't really have any strong identity or in terms of gameplay, it doesn't have any unique mechanics outside of the ability to, to scrub back and forth between your actions. You know, unless you, again, do the final action, then you commit to that turn. It's just a disappointing thing. And there's, there's something I wanted to say about it. And I just can't remember. I can't remember. Oakenfold. Oakenfold is a yeah, pretty, pretty disappointing week overall. Looking back at everything I played. But uh, yeah. That uh, is it in terms of what I've been playing. I do have a, a question. Um, I'm, I'm going to get it. I remember what it is basically. And maybe 
in the meantime, I'll remember in any way, shape, or form what I want to say about Oakenfold. I don't think so, though. I think that information is gone forever. Because I am... Gimme, 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 gimme the Patreon. I know it's from Lunchbox, and it was about, is there anything I'd, I'd want to do that I haven't done or something of that nature? Let us get to it. From Lunchbox. I know how resistant you are to... Nope, that's the wrong one. Because I didn't pin the, the, the actual one. That was the one that was from... Is too late. <laughs> from Lunchbox, for real, though. Is there something you'd like to try but would want someone to do it with? Yeah, okay. That's what it was. Um, I, I've talked about this in the past. I don't know if I've ever talked about it on the podcast. I feel like I've probably mentioned it on stream. Or maybe not. I've mentioned it with people in places. But I would absolutely love, love, love to take up ballroom dancing. But that is not something I'd want to do on my own and partner with a stranger. I would want to do that with someone who I feel at least a little bit comfortable with because I am a very awkward, anxious person and the thought of doing that with just some random person brings me plenty of anxiety on its own. Just thinking about it now brings me anxiety. But I would love, love, love to learn how to properly dance. None of this grinding shit or any of that crap or fucking dumb Fortnite emotes. I ain't flossing or stupid shit like that, but proper dancing with a partner. It seems like it would be very, very pleasant. It seems like it would be a very, very lovely thing, and I would love to do it. I'd love to have a partner to dance with. I've, I've never really danced. I, I, I did once at uh, my partner's, my first partner's prom. And that was the only time I've ever danced in my life. And you, you can't even really call it dancing. But that kind of like high school slow dancing shit. They put their arms on your shoulders and you, you put your, your hands on the waist. That ain't, that's fucking nothing, man. That's just rocking back and forth or whatever. But that is what I would love to do with another person. So, uh, yeah. That is going to do it for this episode of the Pixelated Sausage Show. Hopefully there's an alright time. I did my best, people, to still put something out here give it what's going on in my life that I've hinted at without any specifics but you should be able to if you don't know what's actually going on get an idea of what is maybe going on anywho uh, once again I'm Marcus Nez y'all can find me on pretty much everywhere at PX Sausage if you'd like to find all my links of import you can do so over at twitch.tv. No, you cannot. Blah, 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 blah. I'm pretty much done. I'm fucking sick of Twitch. Sick of Twitch. But uh, if you'd like to find all my links of import, you can do so over at pixelatedsausage.com slash PX. 
S. And if you enjoy this year's show or any of the stuff I do and what have you, you can go over to patreon.com slash PXS to support me and my nonsense that away. Uh, you don't get much for your support other than knowing you're helping out someone who makes content you enjoy. And if that's something you want to do, go for it. You also, at the $3 or higher tier, will be able to ask questions that I'll answer on this here podcast. And occasionally, I might do some special things over for y'all on the Discord. Maybe do a little private secret stream. Shh, don't tell anyone. Uh, and stuff like that. Might get some little taste of future projects and things of that ilk. But if you'd just like to support me, you could do it there. And I, I would appreciate it. But you don't have to. Your viewership is uh, support enough. And if you share this stuff with someone who you think might also like it, that's a, a great way to support me and, and my dumb dumbness as well. But uh, that is it. That is all. As always, thank you for watching or listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day, a lovely rest of your week and an absolutely fantastic weekend. So for now, adios, uh, arrivederci. Bye.